Okay, brothers and sisters, so happy to be with you this evening. We're going to go ahead and study all about Abraham. I'm sure you are familiar with the biblical character because he's one of the more popular characters as far as biblical history is concerned. So we'll go ahead and proceed to look at his life and try to get lessons that we can apply in our daily living so that we can become worthy before our Almighty God. But before we proceed to our studies for today, we ask everyone to please stand for our opening prayer. Almighty and merciful Father, yes. thank you so much for your generosity, yes. giving us our life and our strength. Yes. With gratitude, we praise your highest name. Yes. With thankfulness, we continue to praise you. Father, please be with each one of us yes, as we study your holy words together. Yes. Help us to learn, O oh Father, yes, the okay. truths that we need yes. that will lead us to be closer to you. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, please increase our faith. Yes. Walk yes. with us in every phase of our life, yes. especially during adversity, Lord, yes. that we can remain in faith through you always fulfilling the will of our God. Amen. Father, please forgive completely our sins yes, throughout our Bible studies today. Yes, May you please send the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. We ask and beg everything, O God, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right, again, thank you so much for attending our Bible study today. Take note, this is a Bible history project. We're going to study some biblical characters and events that took place long, long ago. We all know about our friend here, Abraham. Now, how does the New Testament introduce Abraham? Let's go to the book of James, chapter 2, verse 23. And the scripture came true that said, Abraham believed God. And because of his faith, God accepted him as righteous. And so Abraham was called God's friend. How does the New Testament introduce Abraham? Bible says he is known as God's friend. How many here wants to be God's friend? I'm sure all of us will raise our hands. Isn't that awesome? Can you imagine to be called the friend of God? If you are God's friend, you have no problem in the world. If you are God's friend, it doesn't matter if the whole world is your enemy. What matters is God being our friend. So we want to be a friend of God. Well, how did Abraham end up becoming the friend of God? The Bible says because of his faith. And as we will learn today, it's because Abraham walked, not by sight, he walked by faith. And so if we are able to learn to walk by faith, we too can become a friend of our Almighty God. So how does walking by faith begin? How can we begin to do that and develop and continue the process towards becoming a friend of the living God? Let's read the book of Hebrews 11 verse 8. It was faith that made Abraham obey when God called him to go out to a country which God had promised to give him. He left his own country without knowing where he was going. So how does developing a walk with God, walking by faith begin? It begins with God calling us. Take note, it is God who calls, not we. It is God who initiates the calling, not we. And so if we receive the calling of God, that's the beginning of an adventure. That's, be that's the beginning 
of a process called walking by faith. And how did Abraham walk by faith? He left his own country without knowing where he was going. And so, how do we walk by faith? Next slide. Number one, it begins with a calling. A calling from who? Our Almighty God. Next slide. Number two, it responds with obedience. God calls all the time. But there are so many who do not heed the call of God. You know, when God calls, there's only one proper and appropriate way to respond. What is that? Amen. Right? We have to say yes to the living God. We obey the call of our God. So how can we walk by faith? Number one, it begins with a calling. Number two, it responds with that calling by means of complete obedience to our all mighty God. Now when God calls and we obey, what is often required from us? Let's go to Genesis chapter 12 and the verses 1. The Lord said to Abram, let's pause there for a while. Who is Abram? Abraham. You know, before Abram became Abraham, he was Abram. <laughs> Did I say that right? <laughs> before Abraham became Abraham, he was Abram. After God called him, eventually, while he was walking with God, God says, I'm going to change your name to Abraham. We're going to talk about the reason why he did that later on. Not today, because today we're only going to cover chapters 12 and chapters 13 of the life of Abraham. Please take note, Abram would eventually become Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's home, and go to a land that I'm going to show you. And so, what is often required from us when we respond to God's calling by means of obedience, often it requires some sacrifice on our part. This is why the Lord Jesus Christ said, if you want to be a follower of mine, you must deny self. Required sacrifice is part of our walk with God. Next slide. Remember this principle. Walking by faith requires making sacrifices. You cannot walk by faith if you only look for comfort and convenience. When God calls us, he has a way of removing us from our comfort zone so that we are required to trust Him and have faith in Him. So, next slide. How can we walk by faith? Number one, begins with a calling, responds with obedience, and requires sacrifices. Now, what was God's promise when He called Abraham or Abram? Because when God calls us, it comes with a promise, not just a requirement of sacrifice, but a wonderful promise from our Almighty God. What was the promise of God to Abram? Genesis 12, 2 down to 3. I will give you many descendants, and they will become a great nation. I will bless you and make your name famous, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, but I will curse those who curse you. And through you, I will bless all the nations. What was the promise that came along with the calling of Abram? It was a nice promise. What is that promise called? It's called a blessing. God said to Abram, I will bless you. 
I will give you many descendants. I will make you into a great nation. And through you, I will bless all the nations. And so God promised blessing for Abram. Did you notice in this promise of blessing what God also expected from Abram? The Bible says, so that, so that you will be what? A blessing. You know when God blesses our life? You know why He does that? So that we too can be a blessing. That's what God wants. He blesses us for the purpose so we can share that blessing with others. Because God blesses people so that the blessing can be propagated. It's the same thing with Abraham. And the Bible says, through you, I will bless all the nations. How was this fulfilled? Jesus Christ became the seed of Abraham. And through Abraham's seed, we had the blessing of the gospel preached by our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God promised a blessing. And the Bible says, Abram obeyed not knowing where he was going. This is why he obeyed because of faith. You know what faith does? Next slide. Abraham obeyed without knowing where, without knowing how without knowing when, without knowing why. Why did he obey then? Because God told him to obey. He gave a blessing. He promised a blessing, right? But he didn't know where exactly he was going to go. Can you imagine that? Telling uh, God showing up in your life, you're comfortable there at Ur, and all of a sudden God says you have to leave. You have to migrate. You have to relocate. Relocation is not easy, right? And God doesn't tell him exactly where to go. He just says to go to a place he's never been to before. I mean, how many of you are willing to do that? Usually when we plan on relocating, it comes with a plan, a detailed plan, right? We're going to scout the place. Do they have a McDonald's nearby? <laughs> do they have gas stations, a mall nearby, right? We look at the prices for the housing, where the kids going to go to school. With Abraham, with Abraham, he said, just go to this place I'm going to show you. <laughs> Doesn't know where, but he obeyed. Doesn't know how. How on earth am I going to be a, a father of many nations and have many descendants if my wife Sarai is barren, right? He didn't know how. He didn't know when God's promise would be fulfilled. He didn't know why he was chosen. And so he obeyed even though he did not know where, how, when, and why. This is why we can remember this principle. Next slide. Walking by faith relies on God's promises, not God's explanations. You know, sometimes when bad things happen to us, we kind of want an explanation for it. Oftentimes, as Job can attest, we don't need explanations. What we need are what? The promises of God. Walking by faith. Relies that we understand everything perfectly and the specifics of God's plan. No, walking by faith relies on God's promises, not God's explanations. Next slide. So how can we walk by faith? Begins with a calling, responds with obedience, requires sacrifices, relies on the promises of God and not explanation. So how did Abram obey God? Let's read Genesis 12, 4 down to 5. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. And Lot went with him, 
Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, comma, we'll continue with the verse, right? But how did Abram obey our almighty God? The Bible says he left Haran to go to the place where he was supposed to go to. Where is that place called? Canaan. Canaan. Did Abram obey the command of God? What is your answer? Yes. yes. However, this is the wonderful things about the wonderful thing about the Bible. It tells you the whole truth about the person. Abram obeyed God, but his obedience was not perfect. His obedience was actually compromised. Do you see the compromise there? Do you see it? What was the compromise of Abraham's obedience? He actually was not able to completely obey the command of God. He stumbled along the way. Do you see it? Next slide, please. Yeah, look at that. Lot went with him, right? Was he supposed to bring, bring his relatives? Bible says, leave your relatives. But he brought Lot with him. Not only that, according to the book of Acts, when the apostles were explaining all about the life of Abram, this is what they had to say. The Holy Spirit gives us insight into what went behind the scenes. Acts 7, 1 to 4. Then the high priest said, Are these things so? And he said, Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our, faith, our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia. Where? In Ur of the Chaldeans. Before he dwelt in Haran. So when did God appear to Abram? Not in Haran, but in Mesopotamia. In Ur, right? Not in Haran. And said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. That would be Canaan. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land to which you now dwell. Do you see the compromise in the obedience? According to Holy Scriptures, God appeared to Abram and gave him an instruction. Get out of your country from your relatives and come, and come to a land that I will show you. But instead of going to Canaan, instead of leaving his family and relatives, what happened? Let's go to Genesis 11, 31 to 32. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, who was the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, Abram's wife. And with them, he left the city of Ur, Babylonia, Mesopotamia, to go to the land of Canaan. They went as far as Haran and settled there. Terah died there at the age of 205. So according to scriptures, when God gave the command, was there complete obedience? No. The father went with him. Lot went with him. Did they go straight to Canaan? No. They settled where? Haran. So next slide. They went, that's where they started. Babylon, right? In Ur. They were supposed to go all the way to Canaan, but they settled where? In Haran. And so we can see here, next slide please, Abraham's compromises. Brought Lot and Terah with him. They settled in Haran 
instead of going straight to Canaan, where God told him to go. Now, brothers and sisters, we're not trying to discredit Abraham here. We have to keep in mind he was a human being. As human beings, we all make mistakes. A lot of people think Abraham was this perfect guy. No, like all of us, we are flawed. We have weaknesses. We have compromises in our obedience to the commands of God. Abraham makes mistakes. So when it comes to learning how to walk by faith, it doesn't come automatic. And it should not come automatic, right? That's why when we look at babies, next slide. I mean, do babies all of a sudden learn how to walk? First, you learn how to crawl. Then you learn how to stand. And you learn how to walk. But from crawling to standing and walking, how many times do you stumble and fall? Five million times. I'm exaggerating, of course. But a lot, right? You don't automatically learn how to walk. Before you can walk, you have to fall. You have to stumble. But you learn from it. See, when we learn every time we stumble and fall, we learn how to walk. Do we want to walk in faith? Then we have to learn to get back up when we stumble in our obedience to our all God's commands. So, next slide. So, we have Abram. Instead of going all the way to Canaan, he went to Haran. But God eventually convinces him to leave Haran and go to Canaan. And so that's what he did. And so what happened after that? Genesis 12, 6 down to 7. Abram traveled through the land until the time came. Until he came to the sacred tree of Moreh, the holy place at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were still living in the land. And so there was this holy place. Holy because it was the place where Canaanites built their pagan worship. Okay, so God, for some reason, when Abram was there, what did he do? Verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, This is the country that I am going to give to your descendants. And so when Abram finally gets to Canaan, what does he announce to him? He says, this is the country that I am going to give to your descendants. Canaan is known as the promised land, and God made this promise long ago to Abram. So after God appears to Abram, what does he decide to do? Genesis 12, 7 to 9. Then Abram built. What did he build? An altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, he moved on south to the hill country east of the city of Bethel and set up his camp between Bethel on the west and I on the east. There also he built an altar and worshipped the Lord. Then he moved on from place to place, going toward the southern part of Canaan. And so God appears to Abram, tells him, This is the land that you are to occupy. This is the land I'm giving, giving to you and to, the, to your descendants. I want you to settle here. And so we have Abram going from place to place throughout Canaan. He was exploring the land that God is going to give to him and to his descendants. And after God made an appearance, what did he decide to do? Build altars. 
Why? So that he can worship our almighty God. There are, and it's likely that these altars were built so that he can spread the faith. He can preach the words of our almighty God because Abraham also preached the word of our almighty God. Next slide. What is another principle of walking by faith? Walking by faith focuses on worshiping and glorifying God. This is why when you have an experience with God, if God has blessed you in some way, you should take the time to glorify, thank, and worship God. Never forget to worship and thank and praise the living God who has given us everything that we need. Next slide. So how can we walk by faith? Begins with a calling, responds with obedience, requires sacrifices, relies on promises, not explanations, focuses on worshiping and glorifying our almighty God. And in our walk of faith, there will be times when we will be what? <laughs> Next slide. Genesis 12, verse 10. Everything's fine. He's in Canaan. Everything's good, right? What could possibly go wrong now? I did it. I made it to the promised land. And then what happens? <laughs> now there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe and so here he was in Canaan the very place that God told him to go to he was there because of his obedience to the will of God and all of a sudden there was what a famine if you were Abram if you're Abram and you were there in Canaan there was a famine what would you have done go to Egypt yeah right you would think maybe you should pray to God why should you pray to God? You know, this is a, in the book of Psalms. Next slide, 37, 18, and 19. The Lord takes care of those who obey Him. You're there because you obey God, right? And the land will be theirs forever. They will not suffer when times are bad. They will have enough in time of famine. I believe that was a test of His faith, right? It was an opportunity to be able to see that God is able to feed you even in times of famine. But I don't think Abraham or Abram passed the test. And we should understand, brothers and sisters, we too will be tested. It's part of our walk. But if we walk by faith and not by sight, what principle must we follow? Next slide. Walking by faith believes in God's provision in times of Adversity. Brethren, it doesn't matter what the condition of the world may be. God can feed you. God can provide you. Because God's blessing and provision is not dependent upon the condition of the world. It's dependent upon His power. And His power is unlimited because out of nothing, He created everything. Do you think God would not be able to help you in times of famine? Will God say, oh, I'm sorry, it's famine time. I'm sorry, it's a recession. I cannot give you that job. If we want to walk by faith, we need to believe in God's provision. Even in times of famine. Even in times of adversity. So how can we walk by faith? It begins with a calling. 
responds with obedience, requires sacrifices, relies promises of God, not explanations, focuses on worshiping, glorifying God, believes in God's provision in times of adversity. And so we can also see that Abraham did not pass that test. Next slide. And we can look at a list of his compromises. Number one, he brought Lot and Terah with him. Number two, they settled in Haran. Number three, he left Canaan rather than relying on God's provision. Next slide. So he goes to Egypt. On his way to Egypt, he started to get worried. You know why? You know why he started to get worried on his way to Egypt? Because his wife, Sarai, was beautiful. All the sisters who were beautiful stand up. Why is everyone? <laughs> everyone here should be standing up. <laughs> Sarai was beautiful. And so Abraham was a bit worried. And so what did he conceive to do? Next slide. Genesis 12, 11 to 13. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. So what did, what did Abraham decide to do? What was his plan, his ploy? Because all of a sudden he remembers, wait a minute, my wife is beautiful. <laughs> well, in Egypt, there was a custom, there was a law. If you wanted somebody else's wife, you had to kill that man. <laughs> you had to, right? However, if this wife is not married, or this woman is not married, but she has a brother, guess what? You, can, you have to make arrangements according to the law. You have to make arrangements with the brother by giving him gifts. <laughs> and the brother can still decide, mm, you know, it's not yet time. So he has negotiation power. This is why he said, so that I will be treated well. I think Abram was thinking, how can I take advantage of the situation? <laughs> how can I use to my advantage your beauty I get? Let's tell him that we're not married, that you are my sister. Which was a half-truth. But a half-truth is what? A half-lie. <laughs> right? In other words, he was deceptive because Sarah happens to be the half-sister of Abraham. But they were still husband and wife. So he was not telling the complete truth. So here's Abram. He comes up with a nice plan. Right? A plan to be able to dupe those who would fall in love with Sarai. But there was a problem with his plan. Out of all the Egyptians, out of all the Egyptians, you know who falls in love? <laughs> you know who falls in love with Sarai? Next slide, Genesis 12, 14 and 16. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, Everyone spoke of Sarai's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh. Oh no, their king. And Sarai was taken into his palace. 
Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her. Sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. The plan worked. And at the same time, it didn't work. <laughs> Why? How can I now get Sarah back? I cannot say no to the Pharaoh. He's the king. And he's madly in love with Sarai. You cannot say no to the Pharaoh. Not only that, you already received a lot of gifts. This is why when you use deception, it's not good. It will backfire, right? Next slide. And so we put for number seven, walking by faith does not use deception as a means to an end. Because every time you use deception, it's going to what? Backfire. On you, right? Is that true? Yes. Look at what's happening in the Philippines right now. <laughs> it backfired, didn't it? You see, when you use deception, it doesn't matter if you tell yourself it's only a half lie. It's a white lie. God doesn't want us to use that. Do not use deception as a means to an end. Do not say this is for a good end. I'm just protecting myself. I'm going to lie. No, do not do that. That's against the will of our Almighty God. Look at where it got Abram in big trouble. Now he doesn't know what to do. And when you are, when your back's on the wall and you don't know what to do, there's only one thing to do, right? What is that? You pray to God. I believe, it was not included in the verse, but I believe Abraham prayed to God, Lord, I got myself into a big mess. He's regretting what he did. Why did I have to go to Egypt? But you know, God is a forgiving God. God is a merciful God. God knows we're but dust. And so when we mess up, there are a lot of times God will help us, right? This is an impossible case. Guess what? God specializes in the impossible. <laughs> and so what does God do? Next slide, Genesis 12, 17 and 20. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them. And he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. At least he got to keep the possessions. <laughs> What did it do? God had to intervene. Why? Because Abram cannot live without Sarai. The promise and the blessings of God for Abraham hinged on who? Sarai. Sarai had to be part of it. She had a role to play. And so God had to fix Abraham's mess by using his power. So he turned what was impossible into a miracle the plagues. Turns out God would use the plagues again, right? It was a foreshadowing of something to take place in the future because in the future, Jacob, right, and Joseph and the people of Israel, they go to Egypt during a time of what? Famine. They became slaves there and God had to use plagues again to set his people free. And so here comes God to the rescue. A foreshadowing of what is to take place in the future. Using plagues to convince Pharaoh, get out of here. 
just go and be at peace, right? And so, next slide, walking by faith relies on God to do the impossible. And this is why people who walk by faith, they're never faced by problems because they know it doesn't matter what the problem is. If so long as God is with them, God can do even that which is impossible. How can we walk by faith? Next slide. Number eight, we add relies on God to do the impossible. And so Sarah and Abram, they leave the palace of the Pharaoh. They have all these possessions. And it seems that Abraham kind of profited, right? It all worked out well. Maybe I should practice deception and just rely on God to bail me out. Not so fast. When they left Egypt to go back to Canaan, you know who was with them? Next slide, Genesis 16.1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. <laughs> so when they left Egypt, because the Pharaoh wanted to bless and give all these wonderful gifts, to Abram included there was who? Hagar, who, who became eventually the mother of who? Ishmael. To this very day, we can see the tension between the Ishmaelites and the Abrahamites. The tension between the Jews and the Arabs, right? Sometimes, and I want you to remember this. Next slide, deception. In the short term, may yield profit. You may think, oh, I'm getting away with it. But in the long term, the consequences can be generational. Because if you plant deception, you're going to reap the whirlwind. And the story here gives us an illustration that even one sin... <laughs> An act of deception. You thought you got away with it. But you reap what you sow. So if you want to reap what is good, plant what is good. Yes, God will forgive us. Yes, God will deliver us. But the consequences of our sins, that will go on. This is why we need to minimize the sins that we are guilty of. So next slide. Abraham's, Abraham's compromises. Number one, brought Lot and Terah with him. Number two, settled in Haran. Number three, left Canaan rather than rely on God's provision. Number four, practiced deception rather than trust in God. So he made a lot of mistakes, right? He was like you and I. If that was us, we probably had like eight here on the list <laughs> or even more, right? But when we read the New Testament, it doesn't mention all of this, right? In the New Testament, if you read about Abraham, it's all good. I wonder why. Next slide. Psalms 103, 8 to 13. The Lord is merciful and loving, slow to become angry and full of constant love. He does not keep on rebuking. He is not angry forever. He does not punish us as we deserve or repay us according to our sins and wrongs. As high as the sky is above the earth, so great is his love for those who honor him. As far as the east is from the west, 
so far does he remove our sins from us as a father is kind to his children so the lord is kind to those who honor him according to scriptures yes abram was guilty of sin we are guilty of sin but what does the bible confirm god is full of constant love and mercy and so what does he do he does not punish according to punish us as we deserve or repay us according to our sins and wrongs when he forgives our sins as far as the east is from the west he removes our sins from us this is why when the new testament writers wrote about abraham it was all glowing right a glowing review god has hidden his sins but we can benefit from knowing about his mistakes why so that we can learn as human beings we will make mistakes abraham was not perfect we are not perfect but it doesn't mean god will give up on us if we fail from time to time the only thing god asks from us is what next slide the book of proverbs 28 verse 13 you will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins confess them and give them up then god will show mercy on you that's the only thing you know if in the past we stumbled if yesterday we stumbled you know brethren let's confess our sins to god do not hide your sins god is merciful and kind he will give us success when we confess our sins to him this is what abram did and eventually he became known as the friend of god you made mistakes in the past come clean go to god repent go to god and god will forgive and so when abram and sarah left egypt where did they go genesis 13 one down to four abram went north out of egypt to the southern part of canaan with his wife and everything he owned and lot went with him abram was a very rich man with sheep and goats and cattle as well as silver and gold then he left there and moved from place to place going toward bethel he reached a place between bethel and i where he had camped before and had built an altar there he worshiped the lord so when he went back to canaan what did he do went to worship our lord god i'm sure he had a lot to be thankful for right probably realized his mistakes went to god repented and asked for the blessings of god god blessed him abundantly afterwards what happened genesis 13 5 to 7 lot also had sheep goats and cattle as well as his own family and servants i guess he also benefited from the pharaoh <laughs> right and so there was not enough pasture land for the two of them to stay together because they had too many animals you know sometimes when you're rich it becomes a problem too because relatives fight over land so quarrels broke out between the men who took care of Abraham's animals and those who took care of Lot's animals. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were still living in the land. What happened? Eventually, Bible says, because they had so many possessions, so many livestock, they had no land, not enough land. And the men quarreled between uh, uh, Abram's, uh, uh, human, <laughs> Abram's servants and Lot's servants. They had a quarrel. Right? And what was the response of Abram? Genesis 13, 8 to 9. Then Abram said to Lot, We are relatives. And your men and my men shouldn't be quarreling. So what was the solution? 
Let's separate. Sometimes the solution is to separate, right? Choose any part of the land you want. You go one way, and I'll go the other. That's really, really nice of Abram, don't you think? Remember, he's to occupy that whole land. But he gives Lot the first choice. Whichever land you take, I'll go the opposite direction and choose that. And so when Lot was given the opportunity, what did he do? Next slide. Genesis 13, 10 to 13. Lot looked around. He used that opportunity and he looked. <laughs> and saw that the whole Jordan Valley, all the way to Zoar, had plenty of water, like the garden of the Lord or like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord had destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> So Lot chose the whole Jordan Valley for himself and moved away toward the east. That is how the two men parted. Abram stayed in the land of Canaan, and Lot settled among the cities in the valley and camped near Sodom, whose people were wicked and sinned against the Lord. What guided Lot when he had to choose? What guided Lot was his eyes. You can see the, parallelism, the parallelism here. Abram walked by faith, but Lot walked by sight. So he chooses the place towards the east, the whole Jordan Valley, in the place that will become Sodom and Gomorrah. Next slide. And so he took the east. That's Hebron is where best part, uh, the west of Canaan, and Sodom. Lot took. Sodom, right? And what we notice about Abram, next slide, is that he was very generous. Why? Because God gave him a promise. And for Abram, his riches, his abundance, was the promise of God. You know, the, the truly rich people in the world are those who have the promise of God. Because the promises of God can never be broken, right? Abram! He had no problems being generous. Why? Because he knows God has a promise that he will prosper and he will be blessed. This is why one of the qualities of a person who walks by faith is they're not afraid to let go of their blessings. They're generous in their giving because they know ultimately God is the one who provides all things. The true people of God who walk by faith, they are not selfish, they give generously and after lot had left what was affirmed or confirmed by god genesis 13 14 to 18 after lot had left the lord said to abram from where you are look carefully in all directions i'm going to give you and your descendants all the land that you see and it will be yours forever i'm going to give you so many descendants that no one will be able to count them them all it will be as easy it will be as easy to count all the specks of dust on earth now go and look over the whole land because i am going to give it all to you so abram moved his camp and settled near the sacred trees of memory at hebron and there built an altar to the lord so god appeared to him and confirmed his promise that he and his descendants will inherit this that he will become a father of many nations God confirmed and affirmed his blessings to him. And so Abram was able to walk by faith. However, 
he had to learn it the hard way, right? He stumbled, he fell, he made mistakes along the way, but eventually he was getting the hang of being able to walk by faith and to walk with God. Next slide. So what are the characteristics of those who walk by faith? How can we be like Abram so that we can learn to walk by faith? Number one, it begins with a calling. Number two, responds with obedience. Number three, requires sacrifice. Number four, relies on promises and on explanations. Number five, focuses on worshiping and glorifying God. Number six, believes in God's provision in times of adversity. Number seven, does not use deception as a means to an end. Number eight, relies on God to do the impossible. Number nine, gives generously. Can we apply all this in our life today? Can we? Is it applicable? I mean, if we want to be like Abram, if we want to walk with God, if we want to walk with faith and by faith, we have to practice this, these principles in our life. However, we cannot do this without one thing. What is that? Next slide. Begins with what? Calling. You see, we cannot walk with God unless He calls us to walk with Him. And so if we want to walk by faith, it begins with the calling of God. Has God called you? Yeah? Yeah? Did God call you? Did God say it to you? Lindsay. <laughs> This is the Lord your God. <laughs> I want you to leave Fremont and go to Babylon. <laughs> did God do that to us? I mean, did God call you face to face? I mean, we want to walk by faith. We want to walk with God. But it begins with the calling of God. Have we been called by God? Yes. What is the process of God's call or God's calling in these last days? 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 14 So. God called you. God called you to this. Through the good news we preach to you. He called you to possess your share of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. How does God call people today? Not face to face or directly, but through the preaching of the good news. What is the good news? It is the gospel, the words of our almighty God. So when the words of God was preached to us, God is calling us. We have to heed that call of God. How can we recognize those who heed the call of God when the good news or the gospel was preached to them? 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, God is to be trusted. The God who called you to have fellowship with the administration, right? What does it say? To have fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Brethren, remember, the work of God's call is to bring us into fellowship. With the Son of God. Not the administration. Not the ministers. But with the Son of God. Who is that? Our Lord? Jesus Christ. So we are in fellowship with Christ. We have to maintain that fellowship with Christ. Question is, how can we maintain that fellowship with Christ? Remember, God calls us to have fellowship with Christ. How can we maintain that fellowship with Christ? Ephesians 5, 8 to 11. For you were once darkness, but now you were light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Remember, those who heed the call of God 
so that they can walk by faith. They need to have fellowship with Christ and maintain that fellowship with Christ. But how do we maintain that fellowship with Christ? By not having fellowship with the works of darkness. So we have to make a choice because we cannot do both. This is why a person cannot say, I still am of Christ. I am a member of the church of Christ, but they have fellowship with the works of darkness. That cannot be. You cannot reconcile Christ and the works of darkness. We have to make a choice. If we want to maintain fellowship with Christ, we have to expose, we have to remove ourselves from fellowship with darkness. We have to walk as children of light. What is in line with the works of light? Goodness, righteousness, and what? Truth. If there's any violation of goodness, righteousness, and truth, that's not fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have to make sure we have no more fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. What else must we do to maintain our fellowship with Christ Jesus because we were called and chosen by God? Let's read John 15 verse 16. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear much fruit, the kind of fruit that endures, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask of him in my name. Brothers and sisters, this is what we did and are presently doing. This is why we left the institution. Because we can no longer be in fellowship with those who uphold darkness. Because we want to maintain fellowship with the Son. And we want to glorify the Son and our Almighty God. What must we do? We have to continue with the works of righteousness. We have to bear fruits of righteousness. This is our work now. But you know, we're only small, right? Which is why the story of Abraham is so beautiful. We're but a very small remnant. We're few in number. But it's not about how many we are. It's about the blessing of God. The final passage of our study, may we be inspired by God's work. Isaiah 51 verse 2. Yes, God says, think about Abraham, your ancestor. Sarah who gave birth to your nation. Abraham was only one man when I called him. But when I blessed him, he became a great nation. It's not about number. It's about the blessing of God. If one has the blessing of God, even if you are one, you will be great. Brethren, let's rely on the blessing of God. Let us walk by faith. Let us place our trust in God that through His Spirit in us we can bear fruits of righteousness and please the God who called us to have fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, that we might share in the glory that has been destined by God for all of us to inherit in the last day. May God bless all of us. Let us all stand and we shall pray together. Almighty and everlasting Father, Thank you so much for your calling. We receive the gospel. We know exactly what we need to do so that we can walk by faith and walk with you. Lord, we will follow your teachings. Rely on your provision, even in times of suffering and adversity. We are but small in number. 
But you are our God. Yes, From Lord. nothing you created all things. Yes, oh Lord. From one man you can do great things. Yes, and so we place our trust in you now. Yes, hoping, believing that you will use us as instruments. Yes, that we can promote and proclaim your righteousness in these last days. Amen. Help us, Father, to live by faith. Yes. When we are being tested and tried. When things happen in our life that is beyond our explanation. Yes. Help us to remember yes. that we rely on your promises. Yes. yes, you have great promises. All of these have been affirmed and confirmed yes. Yes. through your beloved son. Amen. And so God, we are not afraid. We are not worried. Yes. The courage that we have is because of your promises. Yes. Yes. We believe you, O oh God. Bless each and everyone here. That we will succeed in heeding your call. Amen. Lord Jesus, we worship you. Yes. We honor your highest name. Yes. We belong to you, Lord. Yes. We enjoy and appreciate and so happy to have fellowship yes. with yes. you. Yes. We promise we will maintain this condition. Yes. We will follow your works of light. Only guide yes. us. Give us hope and strength until the very end. Amen. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers. Yes. You have blessed each and every one of us. Yes. For we ask and beg everything in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.